Good morning, church. Uh, the reading this morning is out of uh, the book of Luke, uh, chapter 9, verse 57 to 10, verse 2. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, the foxes have dens, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another one came to Jesus and said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town where town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, uh, very much. And good morning. Good morning to you all. <clears throat> now, these are a little bit far back. I'm going to come up closer to you all. And, uh, Nicole, can we have that first image on the screen? Mm. Many of you know that I quite like ice cream. And uh, some years ago, we had a little holiday. Uh, we were living in Alaska, so it was a little holiday. It wasn't from here to San Diego. And uh, we found an ice cream sandwich shop. And uh, each night, kids were really little, each night we'd get the kids into bed and then one of us would sneak out down to the ice cream sandwich shop, grab a couple of sandwiches and come home and enjoy them. It was fantastic. Now fast forward to uh, just last year, at the end of last year, and Helen and I were on a, a lovely date night uh, in uh, Vic Park and uh, we had dinner and as we often do, we let dinner go down so we go for a bit of a walk looking for dessert and we found Get Chunky. Now this is not the name I would have used but this is the name of a ice cream sandwich shop in East Vic Park and it is just incredible. The cookies, I think they call it that because the cookies are, are really enormous and uh, I would advise don't go there after dinner, go there for dinner. Uh, these things are enormous. The ice cream sandwiches are just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So uh, you might say, why on earth start a Vision Sunday story with mm, ice cream sandwiches? Well, it's a story that was just so good that I had to share it. It's something that is just so amazing. I just wanted you all to know about this story. And so today on Vision Sunday, we're going to be talking about what God's got in store for us this year. And part of it 
is an incredible story. And so as we start, I'd actually like to pray together. Uh, This is a really important day for us as a church and we just want to come before God and say, Lord, can you speak to us? So would you pray with me as we kick off this Vision Sunday message? Heavenly Father, we come before you just acknowledging that you're here with us. This is not something we're telling you, this is something that you know and Lord, we want to hear from you. Father, I've been listening and I just pray that uh, you would use what I'm saying because that's what you want to say. Holy Spirit, would you guide the discernment of each and every person here to take out of it the vision that you have for them and for us together. Lord God, it's your vision that we want to follow, not ours. And so, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray this. Amen. Amen. Now, let me read to you uh, a little passage from John chapter 10, beginning in verse 7. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, please feel free to open them. Uh, Great to follow along when we do this uh, reading together. John chapter 10, I'm going to start in verse 7. Jesus is talking. He says, I tell you the truth. I'm the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Here's the sentence that I'm going to focus on. Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translations say this, my purpose is to give them life in abundance. Or my favourite and the one I'm going to use, the message says, my purpose is to give them life that is more and better than they ever dreamed of. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. Jesus was talking about life in him. He calls himself the living water. He's the bread of life. He's the good shepherd. He talks about life in the kingdom of God. It's life where the Holy Spirit brings us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. It's a life fully loved. It's even a life where when the trials and temptations and persecutions of life come along, James can say, consider it pure joy that we live this life. The God of all creation is inviting us into an abundant life that is more and better than we could ever dream of. Now, hold on. Hold on, uh, Peter. Uh, uh, Just a little flag going off here. I know you're a pastor. I know you have to say that stuff. Just got this little sceptical thing going on. Really? Is it really more and better? That's a really a good question. I think that's an excellent question. Because you might have been trying to live this life and realised, it, well, I'm not sure, is it more and better? And I think sometimes we live this life and sort of compare it, because you know what is more and better? That stuff we see on TV and on the internet. Whoo, that looks like a great life, even on Facebook. Is that more and better? It's a hard question. So I want to address this straight up, because I'm going to say for the rest of this sermon, this series and this year, that in fact God does offer us a life that is more and better we could ever dream of. But I want to acknowledge that sometimes it can be hard to see that. And sometimes on our journey, it's a difficult place to be. But for me, and I hope for many of you, 
I've deep personal experience that this life is, in fact, on many levels more and better than I could have dreamed of down the path that I would have gone without God. So can I encourage you, if you have doubts, to trust in God's word and explore what he's saying. But I'm going to move forward this morning believing in God's word, in my heart of hearts, and inviting you to do the same. And the fact is that God offers us more and better life than we could ever dream of. It's an amazing offer and it's one that actually I want to share. It's a little bit like finding the best ice cream sandwich shop in Perth. I I want to share about it. You see, I'm not worried that they're going to run out. I'm not worried that when I turn up, if you've already been there, I'm not going to get some. I want you to join with me. And I want others to join with us in hearing about, in experiencing this more and better life than we could ever dream of. So our vision, what is our vision? It's Vision Sunday. Our vision, John's already said it, is to be flourishing communities of hope. To be and to see flourishing communities of hope. Communities of people who understand that this life is more and better than we could ever dream of and we're striving to walk towards it. That's our vision. And this year, I think we're being called into something specific around that vision, which is to focus on how we're living it and sharing it. And so I want to ask you a question. As we think about sharing this vision, who, who would you like to experience this more and better life than they could ever imagine. If I answer that, my immediate reaction is me. <laughs> me first. And, and then it's everyone. But actually this year, I think we've been called into a little bit more specifically, can you think of someone? Can you think of somebody who doesn't know this life yet? Who doesn't know Jesus and what Jesus offers yet? Maybe it's someone in the Cary community. Maybe it's someone you're going to see tomorrow as you drop off the kids for the first day at school. Maybe it's somebody in your workplace. Maybe it's a neighbour, a friend, a family member. Now, I'm not asking you to zero in just yet. In fact, I quite like this image if you've seen the X-Men movies and you know Professor Charles Xavier and he puts this helmet on and then he sees all these people sort of swirling around and, and, and there's lots and lots of different people. I'm not asking you to zero in on that one person yet. I think all of us know many, many people who perhaps don't know about this life just yet. But this year, this year, I think we're being invited to take a step, take a step towards helping someone particular, not in the broad, hear more about this incredible life that's being offered and so I'm going to summarize that in two words I'm going to say this year we're going to focus on making disciples making disciples now I hope many of you are note takers and uh, so if you're jotting down notes I actually jotted up uh, what I think this could look like that uh, you'd be listening along and you write down so who is one person I know who doesn't know Jesus yet who who I'd really like to experience this amazing life that Peter's been talking about that that, that I, I know about uh, and then, then he said something about making disciples. Hang on, how, how is that connected? Well, that's a really good question. Maybe it's a long bow, and I want to actually try and connect those things together because I believe the answer is absolutely it is. 
And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. But I'm not just going to talk about that today. Uh, I've actually organised to be able to speak for a number of weeks, which I'm really excited about. And I hope you are too. Didn't hear any woohoos, but that's fine. So I'm speaking this week, and I'm actually going to unpack a little bit of why. Why this vision? Why this focus? Why do I think God's put this in my heart, in our hearts for this year? Next week, we've got our commissioning service. And the, the, the theme for all of Kerry is humility and learning to listen. And that is actually a critical part of this journey that I'm going to be talking about. This is not a coincidence. This is how God operates. We're, this is something that will be really important in the journey of making disciples and sharing this life. We're going to talk about learning to listen. And Pastor, Pastor Dave, Dave CEO, whatever, that guy who jumped on stage and almost, uh, yeah, that guy, he's going to be speaking and I can't wait learning to listen and then for the week after that we're going to talk about the who and two weeks after that I'm going to be talking about the how so we're going to be talking about this for a few weeks why say that well because this is a huge topic in fact even just covering this over a number of weeks this is a months and years journey but I wanted to let you know that if you end up with questions at the end of today I hope you do because we're going to be talking about this for a while and, and perhaps we'll be addressing them later on. Uh, then in this sort of series, if you like, of casting vision and what we're doing this year, we're going to come to March the 7th, which will be a special Sunday. And at the end of this message, I'm going to tell you more about that. It's a little bit radical. Today, first then, I want to make a better connection between this more and better life, this good news that we have, and the making disciples thing. You might have heard me say this before, but as I see Jesus operate in the Bible, in the Gospels, I see him disciple to and through conversion. What do I mean by that? I think I grew up thinking that discipleship was something that happened after you'd raised your hand and said, yes, I believe in Jesus. Then you get discipled. But actually, I see Jesus doing something different. I see Jesus invite people into following him who are already in relationship. He got to know them. He started discipling well before they said, I think you are the Son of God. You see this in Luke 4 and 5, where it's absolutely clear that Jesus was hanging out with Peter before he said, follow me. He's at his house. He's on his boat. And then he says, follow me. And so begins the next phase of discipleship. But the discipleship surely started earlier. And even then, as you read through the, the Bible and you look at the disciples, you think, now, at what point exactly did they sit in the synagogue and raise their hand and say, yes, I believe in Jesus? In which part of that three-year journey? I'm not exactly convinced it was at the start. For all of them, I think it grew. So why I'm saying this is because I think it broadens the idea of making disciples. And that the idea of making disciples, it begins with connecting, catching up. It begins with an intentional desire to just love that person. In fact, an intentional desire that I would so love for that person to know more about this life that is more and better than they could ever dream of. So Jesus discipled to and through conversion because he wanted these people to know more about this life that he was offering. 
Why the focus this year on this topic? I've got six reasons and I'll keep them short. The first reason we're doing this is because it's already part of our mission. Our mission statement is being and making disciples of Jesus who love and serve. Making disciples, that's where we're focusing in. We've been on the journey for a few years and I suspect we'll be on this journey for a while. That's what we're called to do. Number two, it's aligned with God's heart for people. Anybody know John 3.16? God so loved the world that he gave his son. You know that verse. He loved us so much, he wants to invite us into this more and better life. This is aligned with God's heart for each and every person. It's a biblical directive. If you know the Great Commission, it's called in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. It's my story. For many of you, it will be your story too. You know, somebody, more than one person, in my past thought, I want to share with Peter this amazing life that's on offer. They talked to me about it. They wanted me to know, they introduced me, they brought me along on the journey. Reason number five, this is part of Carrie's DNA. This place was started with a desire to turn the church inside out, with a desire to go out and share this message. It was intentionally named after William Carey, the father of modern mission, who travelled across the world in an era where this wasn't necessarily the done thing in any way, shape or form, so that he could share the more and better life than they could ever dream of with a whole other nation, nations. And finally, number six, it's our role within Carey. So if you've been around Carey for a while, in fact, if you haven't, you, know, you may not know that this place has an enormous group of people that come to Kerry. We are a church. We are a cafe. We are schools. We are businesses. Thousands of people come in contact with Kerry each day, each week. And over the last 20 years, it's grown. And so last year, I spent a lot of time thinking, well, what's the role of us, the church, in this huge movement now? And I concluded and summarized in my head in a phrase and an image that I want to share with you. I think we are the salt factory. I've got a picture of a salt factory. It's not a necessarily great picture, but I think we are a salt factory. What does that mean? Well, I think we are the place in all of Kerry that produces the saltiness, the flavour, the preserver, the thing that salt does around this place. So that everybody that you and I, part of the church, come in contact with knows about the flavour. And we're a factory because our role is to continue to produce salt. Not, we are not a nice little stockpile. We are a producer of the salt. So this is an image. I'd love to talk to you more about that. See what your reactions are. This is the image that I have of our role as a church within the Kerry movement. How are you travelling so far? I've put a lot out there already. And I'm really hoping for engagement. So, uh, if you could put up the next slide, please, Nikel. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, brought to you by Ice Cream Sandwich Shops.
all around the world. And what I want you to do is chat to the person next to you. If you came with them, if you came by yourself, that's fine. Just reflect. I'm going to give you about one minute. And just mention, is there something that struck you so far like, wow, that was an aha? Or something that you violently disagree with and you think, that's not right and I'm going to ask about it later. One minute, have a chat with somebody next to you. We'll come back. Okay, I'm going to draw you back in. That was a short minute, I know. But there is more time uh, at morning tea to continue, and I would love for us together to continue that discussion. Now, Tony read for us right at the start of this, uh, before the message, from Luke chapter 9 and 10. If you want to open your phones, your Bibles, Luke 9 and 10, right at the end of Luke 9. Um, and what we see here is that Jesus is about to send his followers out. He's about to send them out on the journey of telling them about the kingdom, about this life of more than they could ever dream of. And that's in chapter 10. But what happens immediately before that? Well, immediately before that, Jesus addresses some questions. And he says to them, if you're thinking about going on this journey where I'm going to send you out, I know some of you have these questions. Questions about the comfort and security of the journey. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be secure. It's going to be, you know, how hard is this really going to be, Jesus? He talks to them about that. This is chapter 9, before he sends them out. He talks to them about the relative priority of their customs and traditions. Oh, I have to, I have to do this first. Well, do you? And he talks to them about the level of commitment required on this journey. Fascinating. Jesus knows he's about to send people out on the journey of starting to make disciples. And he says, hey, before, let's talk about a few concerns you might have. Let's hit them right up front. And I think those ones are pretty good for us today. So as we think about this year, go and have a look at Luke chapter 9, that last, passage, that last part. I also think there are some other questions you might have. As we think about a year of going out and making disciples. Question one, hang on, isn't disciple making only for evangelists? Peter, if you've read Ephesians 4.11, it'll tell you that Jesus has particular things for particular people. Well, yes, indeed, it does say that Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Yeah, well, three thoughts here. First, I don't think that the process of making disciples which Jesus modelled is the same as being an evangelist. Certainly not the way we often think of evangelists. The uh, great extroverted public speakers, you know, the big Billy Grahams and the people who just want to walk into shopping centres and tell everybody about Jesus. 
That's not making disciples in my book. That may be the gift of evangelism. I don't know. Some of you may have that. Fantastic. But not everyone does, I agree. Secondly, I would suggest to you that the stunning growth of the early church didn't come because of everybody having an evangelistic gift. Yes, there was the Apostle Paul who spoke and taught. But, but did you know that there was no YouTube? There was no TV? There was no Instagram? Actually, the way it happened was that somebody said, hey, I, I went to this place, chat with this person, not incredible evangelists. And thirdly, Jesus' great commission to his disciples, to all disciples, was to go and make disciples. But here we come to objection, possibly number two. Wasn't that only for the 11 disciples and Paul? You know, wasn't that the early days? That doesn't apply to me, surely. Well, most commentators wouldn't agree, and I particularly picked this passage in Luke 10, because it says, how many were sent out? 72. Some translations, 70. A lot more than 12. Okay, so... Peter, uh, oh, look, I get this, but I don't know enough to make disciples. I, I, this is a really exciting thing for everybody in the church, but I'm, 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 this is, it's really, I'm, I don't know enough. I, I'm, you know, I, I probably need to learn a lot more uh, before I could confidently tell people about Jesus. I find it so empowering that Jesus didn't choose the people who knew all about the Hebrew Bible to send out. He didn't choose the intellectual people. He went out, he found ordinary people, the fishermen, the tax collectors, the zealots. He said, hey, follow me. And by the way, I'm going to give you lot the opportunity to create the biggest and most amazing organisation the world's ever seen. Jesus never used the word church, I don't think, but he gave them the mission. Wow, that's empowering for those of us who think, you know, I, I don't know enough. In that early phase, the early church, they didn't even have a, a Bible. They had the Old Testament, they had the Hebrew Bible. But it was many, many years, decades before things were written down. I think we're called to start this journey before we're fully confident. That we learn more as we go. And that that's the process that Jesus has us in. If I go back to my, in some ways, silly analogy of ice cream sandwich shops... I don't know how to make an ice cream sandwich or those chunky cookies, but boy, I'd love for you to come with me and let's keep eating them until we can figure it out. Let's go on the journey together and we'll discover more as we go. All right, final, two, two more objections. You know, it's not, it's not that I don't think I know enough, but actually I'm not good enough to be a role model. I'd never ask somebody to follow me because... I'm, you know, there, there are things in my life that I just don't, don't think I'm good enough. Well, me too. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fall short. We're kind of all in that boat together. Now, now, absolutely that sense, if that's your concern, that should lead us to think about, well, what, what do we need to change? How can we repent and allow God to grow us? But I don't think we will ever be good enough. This is God's work. He will work as much in us as the people that we invite into this process. Finally, maybe your objection is, I'm scared. 
I'm scared because I tried it once and it didn't work. And we could talk about, well, what actually did you try? I'm scared because I, I, I just don't, I don't think I can do it. Well, you know what? In some ways, me too. I just have to speak to lots of people in public about it. But it's hard. And courage is not the absence of fear. It's walking through it. In the journey, we're going to be transformed. We do this process in faith. We let God do the work. And as we talk about this over the coming weeks, I'm praying that we'll all see, actually, no, 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 this is not something to be scared of. This is actually something to grasp and walk through because the pressure's not on us. God's taken that away from us and for us. So let me leave you then this morning with the last, uh, the last thing I want to talk about this morning uh, is Sunday, March the 7th. So in, what's that, over a month's time, we're calling it Catch Up Sunday. Uh, now, quick first question as I introduce this, how long have you known Jesus? Rhetorical, don't need to yell it out. How long have you known Jesus? Because the moment where Jesus sent out those 72 disciples in fact Jesus sends out his disciples in Matthew 10 Mark 6 and Luke 9 and 10 they'd probably only been hanging out with Jesus for a number of months and Jesus said let's get started and that's what I'd like us to practice on March the 7th on that Sunday we are going to go out as a church our focus is not going to be on this regular gathering together it's going to be an opportunity for us to connect with the person or people that God is going to put on our hearts. And we'll talk about that over the coming weeks, about who that would be. But instead of our usual worship service at 9.30, we're going to be inviting you instead to go and catch up, have brunch or lunch, invite people over to your place, go out for a picnic or to a coffee shop. And depending on how well you know that person and what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, this is about catching up. It's about having a conversation with them. Not telling them that God so loved the world that you don't have to do that. This is about catching up. Lots of listening. What's happening in their world? This can be really fun. Back up the truck, Peter. Did you say there's no church on March the 7th? What? Do we have a shocked face there? I was hoping some of you might look a little bit like this. Nikel, we've got a... No, maybe we don't. Okay, I had, I had, I found this... Uh, Sue and I found this uh, picture of this person going... You know that? Uh, so it's supposed to be this big face where we all go, what? Anyway, uh, so think of the shocked face. So, does that say the church is not important? No, no it doesn't. It is absolutely important and critical that we gather together as Christ followers. This is not something I'm looking to become a regular thing. This is not something I'm saying, hey, you know, we're going to move to a place where we do this every... No, 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 no. No, this is a one-off. That's it. Beautiful. This is a one-off. But the point of it is to emphasize that this year, this is our focus. This is so important that together we're going to do this at the same time on Sunday, March the 7th. And we're looking at this as a catalyst to change the rhythm of our lives. Because could you do this on a Saturday? Of course you could. Could you do it on a Friday? Yes, you could do it any day of the week. 
Why do we have to stop church to do it? You know, we don't have to. But I think there's a power in us all thinking, this is what we're doing together. We're on this mission together. And I know many of us are busy. And so I'm hoping that just freeing up this one Sunday morning is an opportunity for people to say, you know, I'll give it a go. And we'll see where God leads us from there. We will have a brief gathering. What we're going to do is gather just for prayer at 9.15 to 9.45 and invite you, if that fits in with your plans, I mean, if you're planning to cook an amazing Sunday roast for, uh, for somebody coming over at 11.30, you may not be able to make it. But if you can, we'd encourage you to be here and we're just going to pray for 20 minutes together. We're going to pray for our catch-up Sunday, for our going out, for all the people that we're going to meet with, that God just would start to form deeper relationships. So we invite you to that on Monday, Mar- uh, Sunday, March the 7th. We'll talk more about this, of course, as we go forward. Let me address quickly a couple of objections. I am I- anticipating, as I've been praying about this and preparing it, just anticipating a range of emotions. I think I've seen some of them on your faces. For some people, this is like, oh, that's cool, that's exciting. For others, it's like, hmm, not sure that's very biblical, Peter. And, and I think probably for some of you, there might even be anger, whether you want to show it or not. There's like a, this is not right. You know what? They're all legitimate, absolutely legitimate reactions. And we're going to have to process them together as we go. This is a little radical. No church from the pastor. <laughs> I want to process this together. Can I encourage you, invite you wherever you're at on the emotional space that would do this in a, what am I going to call a Romans 8.1 way? Romans 8.1 tells us there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Some of us may choose not to do this. That's absolutely fine. And as we talk to each other about it, you know, a simple question like, hey, what are you doing on March the 7th? And we encounter someone who's, who says, well, you know, that's absolutely fine. This is an atmosphere of what I'm going to call a challenging invitation. For some of us, it's a challenging invitation. And for others, it's a challenging invitation. The focus will be different. Please, let's do this in love together and explore our questions together. So if you have questions or concerns, talk to me, talk to Sarah, talk to each other as we go. If you're anxious about taking action, can I encourage you to pray? Just say, Lord, is this right? If you feel angry or deeply emotional, on the one hand, I'm sorry, I'm certainly not aiming to provoke that sort of reaction. And I would love if you would like to at some point, just just find me during the week, email, phone, whatever. I'd I'd love to chat and and let's talk that through. But I'm not apologising for putting out a challenging invitation. Because I think Jesus did that all the time. And if I'm going to follow the words, the works and the ways of Jesus, maybe I need to be a bit more challenging and confronting sometimes. Our vision is to be and see flourishing communities of hope. Communities where people have grasped hold of the truth that what God offers is a more and better life than we could ever dream of and this year I think we're being called to focus on how we live out and share that hope with someone specific someone that we would love to be able to share in that life and that's a process we're going to call making disciples 
Would you pray with me as we close this part of the service? Wow, Father, thank you. Thank you for challenging invitations. Thank you for love. Thank you for the life that you offer us. Thank you for this idea, this reality, that it's a life that is more and better than we could ever dream of. And for the journey you have us on discovering that. Would you help us to grasp more of what that means in our lives? And give us a heart and a passion as we go through this year to share it. Lord, to share it not in a way that's way out of our comfort zone and gives us deep anxiety and panic, but in a way that we say, ah, yeah. Lord, you just want us to share this amazing news with this person. Or these people, why? Because we love them and you love them. Lord, I pray for our discussions in the coming days and weeks and through this year. I pray you'd guide us on this journey. And I thank you that you invite us into a life of abundance that does have challenges. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your vision for us. Amen.